Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Wiley. Welcome back to the Barreled Up podcast and a special YouTube recording that is going to be available to Platinum and Gold members. Usually we'd only be Platinum members, but we're going to make it available to Gold and Platinum members. I'll explain why in just a moment. Those of you listening on the podcast, welcome in. Do me a favor. If you haven't subscribed yet, subscribe. Make sure to turn those automatic downloads on so you have the content available to listen whenever and wherever you are, whether you have a signal or not, you're driving through a tunnel, you're in an underground situation, you'll have it because it will have downloaded earlier. Make sure to download and help us grow this thing. Rate and review and tell your friends about it. Today, in this recording, we are going to get into the MLB Award finalists, and I will make my predictions. This is an interesting one because it's not necessarily about who we think is going to win. A lot of these are pretty clear cut. It's more about the snubs, and the reason it's more about the snubs is because we know who the Rookie of the Years are. We know who the MVPs and the Cy Youngs are. So the finalists almost carry more weight this year because the actual, there's there's no drama around who's going to be the winners for the Cy Young, the MVP, the Rookie of the Year. There's no drama there. So we would like to see players that we know are not going to win it be recognized. So a lot of a lot of drama around who the finalists are. We're going to get into that. And again, I want to explain. This is also going out on the YouTube channel as a members-only video, platinum and gold, as a thank you to those who have made a financial commitment to the channel, a channel that, and is a special thank you uh, today on November 7th, eclipsed the 40,000 subscriber number. So thank you to those of you that have gone the extra step, and because of that, again, Both platinum and gold members are going to have access to this recording. So let's get into the award finalists. I also have some thoughts we'll put towards the back end of this on the managerial stuff from yesterday, the Cubs, the Mets. I also have some thoughts on on the qualifying offers because I think it was interesting, the players that were not added to the or did not receive uh, qualifying offers because there were a few that I could see 
getting it and didn't. And it's going to be interesting how that might impact their uh, their market. So we're going to get into all of that again. Welcome in, everybody. Let's let's get right to this, the awards and the predictions and the snubs. And let's start with the Rookie of the Year. Let's start with the Rookie of the Year in the National League. The finalists are Corbin Carroll, James Altman, and Kodai Senga. Obviously, I think we can all agree that Corbin Carroll is going to be the winner. That's not where the drama lives. The drama lives with the fact that James Outman is a finalist and Nolan Jones is not. Nolan Jones had a higher war in many of the counting statistics, in many of the statistics in general. Did a better job than James Outman. Had better numbers than Outman. But it is Outman who is one of the finalists and... All I can take from this is they are penalizing Nolan Jones for not playing as many games as James Outman. But when you look at it, the war, Nolan Jones has a higher war than James Outman despite playing less games, which tells you Nolan Jones had a far better season than James Outman. I'm a James Outman guy. I like him. I liked him last year when he came up. He was sort of a lightning rod player immediately. Fans were just attracted to him, and he kept that going this year, and he was really good for the Dodgers, but Nolan Jones was slept on, and when you do this, we're going to talk about something they did for the National League Cy Young in a minute to try to prove a point, and this is an opportunity, if they're they're proving a point in one category, then they need to prove a point in all the categories, or don't try to prove any points and just make the put the best players on the board. What are Rockies fans going to say? They're going to say that Nolan Jones was not uh, a Rookie of the Year finalist because he plays in Colorado and he doesn't play in L.A. And they're going to look at that. Everybody will agree Corbin Carroll is the no-brainer Rookie of the Year. It could be unanimous. And then they're going to look at an L.A. player and a New York player are the other two. So what are we doing here? Disrespecting Colorado? That may be part of it. In the end, I think it's, again, it's a game thing. They're trying to, because in the American League, there's a similar situation for Rookie of the Year. They're trying to give James Outman the 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 credit for playing more games. But he had a lower war by a lot compared to Nolan Jones. Nolan Jones' war was about a full, it was I think it was 4.4 4. 4 for Nolan Jones and 3.3, 3.2 for James Outman. Anyway, I'm rambling on the whole NL Rookie of the Year thing, but I think that Nolan Jones should have been a finalist. Again, what are we talking about? Corbin Carroll is going to be the Rookie of the Year. In 12 months, nobody's going to remember who the finalists were. They'll remember that Corbin Carroll was a Rookie of the Year. But today, November 7th, we care. And I want to bring that up. Nolan Jones should have been in here. Let's go to the American League Rookie of the Year. The finalists are Tanner Bybee, Tristan Cassis, and Gunnar Henderson. Again, no drama here. Now, it's probably not going to be unanimous. It could be, but I don't think it will be. But I got Gunnar Henderson, and I think that's how this is going to play out. Gunnar Henderson will be your American League Rookie of the Year. But for Josh Young to not be here, Tanner Bybee, I understand, had a very fine season for Cleveland and should be recognized in some fashion. But I don't believe it should be here. This should be Josh Young. It should be Josh Young, Tristan Cassis, Gunnar Henderson. Don't overthink it. And if you want to throw war out there because I just used war in the National League, I get it. You win. 
Tanner Bybee had a higher war than Josh Young, but you know what? Josh Young had a higher war than Tristan Cassis. And then you have to go and dig and you have to find the other stats to make the case for Cassis to be ahead of Young. Cassis' OPS was about 100 points higher than Young. My point is, Josh Young was phenomenal this year. I believe he's the biggest snub in this AL Rookie of the Year category. I'm at the point where I don't even want to do finalists anymore. Let's just say who the winner is. Don't even give me the finalists. Now, finalists, it's important. It stirs up conversation. And also, there are there are financial compensations. There are players that will receive their, uh, a bonus if they are a finalist. So, I get why we're doing it. But when we're getting it wrong, then I think we need to, I don't know, figure something out. But we'll be back here next year talking about players that are getting stumped. The good news is we have so many players that are deserving. That's a good thing. It's it's almost a good problem to have. But I would have liked to see Josh Young as a Rookie of the Year uh, finalist. Let's move on. Cy Young in the National League. The finalists are Zach Gallen, Blake Snell, and Logan Webb. And we're going to circle back to what I talked about when we were talking about the NL Rookie of the Year and proving a point. Now, who do I think is the NL Cy Young? We'll get that right out of the way. I got Blake Snell, and I, I mean, maybe it's kind of close, but I got Blake Snell. Here's the point. Here's my problem. Logan Webb should not be here, and I'm not trying to 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 to, to bash Logan Webb and say Logan Webb's not a good pitcher. Logan Webb is a phenomenal pitcher. Logan Webb has some numbers that are worthy of the argument of being in the final three. But so does Zach Wheeler. So does Justin Steele. And I'm not going Spencer Strider. I understand why Spencer Strider's not here, even though he won 20 games. I get it. But Zach Wheeler and Justin Steele should be in the conversation for that third spot. Not Logan Webb. Logan Webb had a fine season. Logan Webb was solid. Logan Webb, when you're looking at pitching war, was so far behind Zach Wheeler on Fangraphs, Fangraphs war. Logan Webb, 4.9. Zach Wheeler, 5.9. There's my argument for Wheeler to be in over Webb. Justin Steele. Now, that was a 4.9. So we had the same war as Logan Webb. Justin Steele went 16 and 5. Logan Webb went 11 and 13. Justin Steele had a lower ERA. Justin Steele should be in there. Justin Steele has a ton of other uh, a ton of other statistics, metrics that would garner him a top 3 Cy Young finalist situation, but he's not here. Here's my problem with having Logan Webb I feel like, and we have seen this from time to time, and sometimes it is clear that they are trying to either push a narrative or push a metric. Saw it last year with gold gloves. I'm seeing it right now. You cannot, in my mind, in my opinion, have a Cy Young winner that is two games below 500. I understand wins and losses. That's a team stat. It's not necessarily Logan Webb's fault that he doesn't get run support. But in my opinion, if you were to come out of the National League Cy Young vote 
And Logan Webb is awarded the NL Cy Young with an 11-13 record. That would be a bad thing. Part of your job as a starting pitcher is to get your team wins. I understand it's not exclusively on you because there's nine guys that got to come together and put runs on the board. But I cannot have an 11-13 and 13 pitcher in here. When Webb and Steele are so close... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Still, same war, three fewer starts. Are we penalizing him for not throwing the same number of innings? Maybe. I mean, we obviously penalized Josh Young. We obviously penalized Nolan Jones for time on the field. Not being what it is some of the counterparts. Is that what we're looking at here? Well, then isn't it more of an achievement that Justin Steele in three fewer starts in about 40 fewer innings had the same war as Logan Webb? What if Justin Steele, what if it was all equal and they had the same number of innings? Maybe Justin Steele's got a war of 5.6. So Logan Webb being here feels like they're trying to prove a point, the writers, that you don't have to have a winning record to be in the Cy Young conversation, but I disagree. I push back. I believe that if there are two other pitchers that are in in the conversation for that third finalist spot that you and, and they have winning records, Zach Wheeler's 13 and 6, Justice Steele 16 and 5, then you have to give one of those other pitchers the opportunity to be in that final spot. And then here come Braves fans saying, well, what about Spencer Strider in the 20 and 5? I understand the ERA was high, but he struck out a million guys. And he was the only 20 game winner. Shouldn't he be in over Logan Webb then? You you can make the argument. But I think that we should have Wheeler or Steele in over Logan Webb. Again, what are we talking about? Snell's probably Cy Young winner. We're talking about the finalists. But that's why the finalists have drama this year. It's because we kind of already know who the award winners are going to be. So the microscope is on the finalists more than normal, more than usual. Let's go to the American League Cy Young next. The finalists are Garrett Cole, Kevin Gosman, and Sonny Gray. And I really don't have much of a issue here in the on the American League side. I think these are the top three, and then there's a, a drop off after that. And I think that the award goes to Garrett Cole. No drama here, drama free category in the American League Cy Young Manager of the Year. Now there is some drama here because the guy who could win it just did one over on his. Team from 2023. That is Craig Council. It is Craig Council, Skip Schumacher, and Brian Snitker as the finalists for manager of the year. And I want to, if in the American League, we are going to reward the team with the most wins, I want to reward the team in the National League with the most wins. I understand. 
that it's probably Craig Council's award here, but I'm going to go out there and say, I want Brian Snitker to win it. This is a regular season award. The Braves won 104 games, 104 and 58. Yes, he's got the best talents to work with, you could argue. They dealt with some injuries this year. Even though you're supposed to win 100 games, doesn't mean you're going to win 100 games. There are a few teams this year that know exactly what I'm talking about there. So I, this case, because listen, I'm not completely sold on Craig Council being the manager of the year. 92 wins, great. They won 95 games two years ago. Last year, they won 86. So what we're going to we're going to give him manager of the year for getting back to the level they were uh, two years ago. Give me Snicker for the National League. In the American League, you got Bruce Bochy, Kevin Cash, and Brandon Hyde as the finalists. And if we included everything, I would go Bruce Bochy. But this is a regular season award. Because it is a regular season award, I'm going to go with Brandon Hyde. And there's not much drama here. There's really no one else that is... Uh, worthy of, of being a finalist. These are really the finalists. The Rangers that jump in wins year over year. Maybe, maybe you won't boat you for that. But the Orioles winning over 100 games, nobody saw that coming. So we'll go hide. Let's go to the MVP in the National League. Acuna, Betts, and Freeman are the finalists. And it's pretty clear who the MVP is. Let's not go back and revisit a debate from two months ago because that has been settled. The National League MVP is Ronald Acuna. It is not debatable. Betts will get some votes, but Acuna is the MVP. The drama here lives around the Freddie Freeman inclusion as a finalist. Matt Olson and Braves, Braves fans, Braves Nation, seeing... Matt Olson on the sideline, Freddie Freeman in the conversation. They don't like that. That's not sitting well with Braves fans today. But I understand it. It is something where between Freeman or Olson, you could sell me either way. I don't have a hard stance here that it should be Olson or it should be Freeman. You can sell me either way. They both have numbers that are warranting of being one of the finalists. In the end, again, Acuna is the MVP. Let's go on to the American League. It's Otani, it's Seager, and it's Simeon as the finalist. And good for Marcus Simeon working his way into the finalist conversation. He's not going to win it. He would clearly be the third-place finisher. But good for Marcus Simeon in the season he had this year. Remember last year, first year in Texas, the slow start wasn't a good year. But what he has, what he, what he accomplished in 2023 was phenomenal. The winner is obviously Otani, and it's not even close. It's not worth discussing. It's not worth debating. Shohei Otani is the MVP. Corey Seager's the runner-up, and that in itself is almost an accomplishment. Being the clear runner-up in an Otani MVP season is sort of an accomplishment. I kind of wonder if, as years go on, we'll remember that Otani was the MVP and the runner-up was Corey Seager. Going back to 2021, Otani was the MVP. Vladdy Guerrero Jr. was the runner-up. Will we remember? Will it almost be like Otani's the MVP, but who finished second? Because Otani was, 
it wasn't even a, a conversation. There was no opportunity for anyone else. So who was that number two guy? Might be something that we'll remember as we move on through the years. But Otani is certainly the AL MVP. Those are my predictions. And again, some of the drama that lives around the awards. I also said I wanted to talk about what went down with the manager situation. And I wanted to talk about the qualifying offer. Let's start with the qualifying offer. Shohei Otani got one. We got that. I didn't understand how on Twitter there were people out there taking the qualifying offer submission or attachment to Otani as the Angels thinking Otani would take that deal. That's not how it works. I hope that we're clear on that. If you need further explanation, this is not the setting. Look it up. But Otani gets one. Matt Chapman gets one. That's interesting. There's a chance Matt Chapman takes that. I think there's a lot of people very dismissive of that. But Matt Chapman, $20 million, he ain't going to get that next year. He's just not. Uh, The defense is good. The offense is a disaster. He's the number eight hitter on your team. And you're telling me he's going to get more than $20 million next year? No. But what he could get is he could get a three- or a four-year deal at $15 million, and that's the better deal. But does he take $20 million this year? Because the bar is very low right now for Matt Chapman. And let's say he goes and takes the qualifying offer for the Toronto Blue Jays, plays the year at $20 million bucks, enters the free agent market the following year without a qualifying offer attached, because that's the other element here. You have to think about teams that are weighing out, do I sign Matt Chapman and then give up a draft, some draft capital for him. May not be teams that want to do that. Matt Chapman would re-enter the market the following year without a qualifying offer, free and clear, easy to sign. So Matt Chapman may want to take it because he's A, not going to get $20 million. B, his market may be obstructed by the qualifying offer because teams are going to look at how much he's striking out, how the power has been zapped from that bat. Now his doubles were up, but the home runs were way down. And now that was a lot of the part too. Uh, Roger Center did not play like a bandbox, as many thought, when they brought the fences in. They raised them, too. But we saw a uptick in doubles for Matt Chapman, and, and, and the home run numbers come down. So Matt Chapman is an interesting one where I could see him taking it because let's say, again, he goes back out there next year and struggles. Maybe he's great with the glove again, wins another gold glove, but the home run... Listen, the, the offensive production can't get any worse. So if he goes out there and his offensive production is level with what it was in 2023, he's still going to be looking at a three or four year deal at 15 million a year, whether he enters the market now or he enters the market next year. The difference will be he'll have 20 million bucks in his pocket from this year and he'll have a wide open market unobstructed by the qualifying offer. Those are my thoughts on Matt Chapman. Bellinger's got the qualifying offer. Blake Snell gets a qualifying offer. Josh Hader, a qualifying offer. Aaron Nola, a qualifying offer. Sonny Gray, a qualifying offer. Now, interesting. Sonny Gray may take it. I, I I could see Sonny Gray taking the qualifying offer. Taking one year at 20 million bucks. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Uh, Aaron Nola. Will not take it. Hader will not take it. Snell, Bellinger, Otani. Obviously, all of those players will not 
will not take the qualifying offer. This is also a light year for qualifying offers. Um, seven. The lightest we'd ever seen was six, and that was coming out of 2020. Um, one other time, back in 2018, we saw seven uh, players get the qualifying offer. But most of the time, this is 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. It's an indication on this year's free agent market and how it's kind of a light market. Interesting players that did not get one. Teoscar Hernandez did not get one from Seattle, which is interesting. Reese Hoskins did not get one for the Phillies, but that's not surprising coming off an injury. J.D. Martinez surprised me that he did not get a qualifying offer. I would have thought the Dodgers would have been interested in that because I think they would be like, 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 like to have him back. And again, 20 million bucks, maybe he takes it. Other teams have to weigh out. Do I go sign J.D. Martinez and give up a draft pick for a guy that we may only get one or two years out of a draft pick that we could develop and turn into somebody that could be a part of our organization for a decade? The qualifying offer would have been a fascinating one with J.D. Martinez. Uh, but J.D. Martinez is not getting a qualifying offer. Teoscar Hernandez, Reese Hoskins, Jorge Soler does not get a qualifying offer. That would have been one you could see happening. J.D. Martinez, though, was the big one that kind of surprised me. I could have seen that. But the Dodgers also did not attach one to Clayton Kershaw, and they've never attached one to Clayton Kershaw. So the Dodgers and the whole qualifying offer thing, obviously they must have a mindset when it comes to that. Because certainly players don't want a qualifying offer attached. It makes it, it, it adjusts their market. When teams have to weigh out giving up picks, giving up draft capital for a player. So we've got the qualifying offer situation again. My big takeaway from that, Matt Chapman might take it. Sonny Gray could. I would put Matt Chapman at a 50%. I would put Sonny Gray at a 20%. Everybody else is at 0%. Let's get to the manager situation. Cubs, listen, in a very un-Midwestern way, the Chicago Cubs pull one over on the Milwaukee Brewers and go out and get Craig Council and give him a dollar amount we haven't seen before for managers. Craig Council made it clear he wanted to reset the market for managers, and he did that because Craig Council's not the best manager in baseball. And when your manager, if he's better than Craig Council, is looking for a contract extension. Now you're going to point to that Craig Council deal and say, well, I'm, my guy's better than Craig Council. He should get more money than Craig Council. Craig Council did that. Good job. But at the same time, Cubs, listen, what what is Craig Council won in the postseason? When was that World Series run by Craig Council? Did I slip into a coma and miss it? And then I never went back and realized that, oh my God, 2017, Craig Council led the Brewers to a World Series. Holy, it didn't happen. I So to give this kind of money to a guy that hasn't won anything, and quite frankly, I think most, most would tell you the Brewers in October, nobody believes in. Craig Council's the manager of that team that nobody believes in in October. Congratulations. During the regular season, during 162, sure, good. Good things could happen with Craig Council. I don't think that this makes the Cubs any more of a threat to make a deep postseason run. David Ross could have stayed and David Ross would have had the same chance, in my opinion. 
It's about the players. It's about re-signing Cody Bellinger. It's about who do they trade for. It's about who do they sign in free agency. So the Craig Council thing is interesting. Also interesting is the Carlos Mendoza thing with the Mets. This seems like a big fat fail. And I believe that the Mets here were concerned about optics because Craig Council, it was announced that he was going to be making his decision soon. Within 20 minutes of that breaking, the Mets had announced that Carlos Mendoza was going to be the manager. Are the Mets that concerned about the optics? It looks now, now to be fair, it looks bad when people are turning down your job. The, the Red Sox went through it with the president of baseball operations. Heim Bloom got fired. It didn't really look that good. And then all of a sudden, when they're trying to find somebody to replace him, they have they have people declining to interview. They have people turning down the opportunity. That's not it. It's Boston. Nobody wants this job. Doesn't look good. They end up going with a guy that kind of skipped, kind of skipped a spot uh, up the ladder. So it doesn't look good. In the Mets, are you telling me out of everybody that they interviewed and everybody that was in play that Carlos Mendoza was number two on that list? I don't think so. I feel like the Mets learned the day before that Council was not coming and that they then started to go down the list and they got to Carlos Mendoza. He accepted it. And there you go. I cannot imagine Carlos Mendoza was the number two. I could be completely wrong. Maybe he was the number two. Maybe they like him that much. But if he was the number two, then I have questions about the decision-making abilities for the New York Mets, David Stearns, who's now running this show. And by the way, David Stearns, Adam Ottavino was really good. And you want nothing to do with Adam Ottavino? I'm glad Adam Ottavino opted out. David Stearns doing something there. By the way, what did David Stearns build that won in October? Mets, you want to win in October. What did David Stearns build for you? What did, what did David Stearns build for the Brewers? He built a, a, a 85 to 95-ish regular season team, but not a team that got the job done in the postseason. Now, now you're going to say, well, in New York with the Mets, he's going to have more money to spend. He's going to have access to more. Okay. Okay. How'd that work out in Boston with Bloom? Some of these guys, the way they operate, they can't change it when they get thrown into a situation. I don't know. Maybe it'll be fine. But I don't like this hire. I don't like the Adam Ottavino thing, and I don't like the Carlos Mendoza hire. Carlos Mendoza, his first job as a coach, he's never managed at the major league level, which I think is a knock. His first job as a coach came in 2018. The guy's still green. And he's coming from the Yankees. What the hell is happening in New York that makes you, as a, as a front office executive, as a general manager, as a as a owner, what is, what is happening with the New York Yankees that makes you say, oh, we got it. We got to start. We got to. Whatever we can do to, to peel pieces away from that, we got to get that machine. We got to get some some parts out of that machine and plug it into ours because, man, what they got going on there is really good. Nothing is happening in New York like that. And when I have been, been speaking about how I expect Cashman and Boone to hold on to their jobs, the part two to that was always, but they need... Heads need to roll throughout the organization. 
and Carlos Mendoza was in a position, bench coach, that I would have said that head needs to roll. I think Carlos Mendoza should have been fired by the New York Yankees. Instead, he's now the New York Mets manager. It feels like they're running back the Rojas thing. How much time do you have to waste to figure out if Carlos Mendoza can win, can win in the postseason? We're talking about a two or three year experiment here. Who's got two or three years to figure out if Carlos Mendoza is good? If you're in Cleveland, if you're in Anaheim, if you're, listen, there there are markets where you can do this. Queens, the Mets, this is, that is not a spot where you can do this. You cannot go through a two or three year, similarly to how you can't rebuild in New York. You can't rebuild. You have too much money. Go buy the players. You cannot go through an experimental manager situation like they are doing with Carlos Mendoza. You're going to read stuff and you're going to be you're going to sell yourself on Carlos Mendoza by what you read. And if you're a Mets fan, this is who you got. So you can be mad for a half an hour, but then you got to rally around your boy because he's who you got. Nothing's going to change. You want him to do great things at this point. But I think it's a miss. I think that in two or three years, the Mets are going to be looking for another manager and we will be looking at wasted years. Your years wasted. Also wasted years on these kids. Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos, Ronnie Mauricio, Kodai Senga. All these guys wasted years on their careers. And you don't have Kodai Senga forever. That man can opt out. If Kodai Senga's like, this is a shit show. I'm gone. Just something to think about. Those are my thoughts on the MLB awards, on the qualifying offers, and on the managers. I also know Stephen Vogt was hired yesterday. I think that was a good move by Cleveland. I like that move. Not any. There's not a lot of drama with that. That was just a good, solid baseball move by a team that can make that move. So I liked it. All right, everybody. Those of you, again, on YouTube, I thank you. I appreciate you. Those of you listening on the podcast, thank you for coming in. Thank you for lending me your ears. If you haven't yet, subscribe. Turn on the automatic downloads. Rate, review, help us grow this podcast. That's it, everybody. I appreciate you coming in. Stay close to the channel. More exclusive content coming to the podcast. More postseason news, rumors, reactions, breakdowns, everything coming to both outlets, the YouTube channel and the podcast feed. I appreciate you guys, again, being here, spending time with me. That is it for this one, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. And as always, if it's low, let it go. If it's high, let it fly. I'll catch you next time. 